We're back. It's Pretty Little Grown Men. Hey. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dom. It's our 50th episode. That's a, that is a landmark episode. I didn't yeah. realize when we were starting that this was number 50. Do you think that we... Did you ever think when we started that we'd make it to 50 episodes? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any expectations, you know. <laughs> I like that number because it reminds me of buying comic books as a kid and you get like the 50th issue or the 100th issue or mm-hmm. something and those like sort of quarterly uh, or there's those, you know, 25, 50, 75. It's always like the double size special oh, yeah. wild issue. So um, this is not going to be like a double sized podcast because it would be like seven hours long. No, um, this is only going to be a regular sized which lately has been a good 90 minutes or so. Yeah, so we'll try and... <laughs> we'll try not to make it 90 we'll minutes. We'll try and not do that. Uh, but we are talking about the return of Pretty Little Liars, which is exciting. Yeah, uh, we, season... totally, we totally timed it and planned it that way. Right, of course, <laughs> naturally. Uh, season 6B, this is episode 11 of the season overall, uh, of late, I think, of Rosewood. Uh, yeah, and uh, written by Joseph Doherty, who's a series regular, directed by this guy named Ron, uh, I'm probably pronouncing this incorrectly, but Lego Marcino, who we recently just learned, uh, directed a stage play of Driving Miss Daisy and maybe some episodes of Picket Fences, that old uh, show on CBS. Yeah. That, I, that I used to watch when I was well, younger. Well, I, I think they did a nice job on this episode. They did. It was uh, 90% a, an extremely enjoyable episode. And then there's the big twist, which we're going to get to. Yeah. But, so, yeah, let's let's talk about we were kind of, we were having some technical difficulties and uh, talked about this a little, so we will talk about it again now <laughs> for for your benefit um this is all new for you i i think we really liked the way uh it dealt with the liars as you know it's five years later they're mm-hmm. adults they've been through college they have jobs new relationships and it shows them kind of immediately as these altered free uh you know mature characters mm-hmm. yeah and i which I, I think that you know we've we've talked about this before where in you know uh if we had our druthers we would like to see maybe a few episodes of pretty little liars where we simply just deal with them as mature adults having mature adult lives without the murder mystery shoehorned in once again and um for most of this episode that was the case um and it was really refreshing. It was really nice to get to know these characters on on that kind of level uh, where and to see their friendship mature in ways that we've never seen it before to just see them like have fun, get drunk, and that's all right, you know which right. which well so they're they're summoned back to Rosewood to buy alley who's now working as a teacher at the, I guess, at the high school. Yeah. Um, she gets overcome with emotion, reading some verses, <laughs> reading reading some literature. Uh, so she has, <laughs> she has drastically changed, and her vibe is very interesting over the first couple episodes. I think I want to talk more about her in the next podcast because we, we have two to do. Yeah. Tonight we're gonna we're gonna talk about this episode here, and then we're gonna do the next podcast. Yeah, we're about gonna give you double the fun. The next episode, um, but yeah, she is. Uh, 
she's been seeing Charlotte. She's built this relationship with Charlotte, with mm-hmm. A, who's been, you know, uh, in the in the in the somewhere, being taken care of all this time. Yeah, not Radley. Yeah, in some new, uh, in some new, sequestered in- somewhere new place. Right. Yeah, which, and and that's another facet of of the liars' lives, which I really would have enjoyed sort of investigating more which is how as as a normal human being how do you how do you move on how do you deal with trauma how do you can you forgive a person who genuinely wants to be forgiven who genuinely seeks penance assuming that that the past five years you know charlotte's basically been like spending these past five years trying to make up for what she's done. Right. And that was something I thought the show was going to get into more directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought what we were going to see is um, whether or not, I thought the big mystery was going to be, you know, is she still a villain? Yeah. Has she been, has this super genius character been patiently biding her time, waiting for the moment that she could escape and start perpetuating terror again right um and we only really get to see one shot of her in this episode uh interacting with anyone i Mm -hmm. should say and it's giving Allie a hug and she seems very you know genuine and not scheming and evil and so it seems like whatever it is she's been going through coming back from these years of of trauma and craziness that she had to deal with as a child and um returning to some semblance of a normal life. Uh, it seems like that's the case. We're given this pretty earnest, I think vision of that, uh, in a very short and underserved way. We don't really get to see any of Charlotte's evolution, uh, before big twist, spoiler, uh, Charlotte gets murdered. Yeah. Uh, well, supposedly she does, but there's no real reason to think that she wasn't murdered. Um, Well, that's, Right. Unless, I mean, we get to Toby see. Well, we get to see an open. I mean, here we'll, we'll get into the murder mystery stuff, but we get to see an open casket funeral. And but before that, the first shot is Toby talking to Lorenzo, his partner, still five years later, which is cool. Um, no, and, he's not. They're not partners because Toby's still working. He didn't get the promotion, but Lorenzo did. Oh, OK. Remember they talk about that. Yes. Him, Toby and Spencer are talking about that. Lorenzo's now a detective and Toby's still like a beat cop. Oh, yeah. He got passed over. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Tobes. Oh, OK. Well, Lorenzo gets to, gets to wear like a tie and Toby still has to wear the schmucky uniform. Oh, sexy. Well, actually, I should say sexy Toby cop uniform. Yeah. Poor guy. Well, but in that first shot, you know, this is such a detail-oriented show, you don't see the face. And Toby says, oh, yeah, I identified her. It's Charlotte. Right. But, so I thought that was going to be like, oh, no, is she really dead? Is this a Mona situation? Um, But then we have an open casket funeral. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that that is, in in the PLL-verse, not that that is any, you know. uh... Right. We we once saw Mona dead. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, uh, I think that, you know, uh, okay, so I've been thinking about this recently because, um, I have, I've started reviewing the 
new X-Files episodes that are coming out. And um, I've been lucky enough to to see the first episode and I have the, the second, the next two episodes waiting for me. Um, and one thing that I think is, is something to sort of think about when it comes to uh, so-called reboots, um, which I think that the, the term reboot can be very loosely defined as either a continuation of a story in a new context or to take the take the the essentials of a story and sort of and 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 more literally reboot them um you know i'm thinking of the difference between like battlestar galactica which is a literal reboot uh and maybe and the new x files or like fuller house you know right where it's like a sequel or a continuation right um, but I think they they sort of both fall in, in the idea of of rebooting in that you are recontextualizing the essence of a story. And the thing that uh, I've been thinking a lot about with the X Files, which I really really like the the new episode, and it hasn't been getting the best reviews, but I kind of disagree with most reviews of it. In that, what it does is it takes the faults of the last seasons of X-Files and it finds a really sort of clever way to wipe the slate clean. Um, And I'm speaking specifically of the mythology of the X-Files, which towards the end of the series got so convoluted that it was almost impossible to follow. Right. Um, And what the new series does is it sort of takes the, it sort of admits that it was too convoluted and it finds a way to to sort of clean that up and to make you think like oh like that none of that really matters anymore um and i don't want to spoil anything but i think it does in a really in a really great way the thing about this new uh, uh reboot of sorts of the pretty little liars world is that for, like I said, for 90% of this episode, I felt like it was doing the same thing, which it was taking sort of the, the faults of, of the, the pre of everything that, that we, that we'd come to know of Pretty Little Liars and recontextualizing it and taking the same things that we love and the characters that we've come to really love and putting them in a new context without the crutch of a murder mystery. And for a little while, I was loving that. And then, and then it just, and then it just slipped back into a murder mystery. Right. Well, let's, I I think that something that, you know, we talked a lot in this podcast about um, the response to the Charlotte reveal and, um, you know, from folks in the uh, trans community and so on. And, it seemed like the creators of the show had not done enough homework or were just not really prepared to deal with this character and this particular storyline in a way that felt like it was humane and three-dimensional, I guess, that it really dealt with this character fairly. Um, And so it's really disappointing to me, not just from the plot perspective of getting to see this of you lose the suspense of the big bad villain of the mm-hmm. previous run of the show, right. whether she's still a villain or not, how has she changed? Can there be 
um, can there be uh, apologies? Can there be acceptance and moving on and all that stuff? Right. All those like really powerful emotional issues. Uh, so that is all just chopped off. Mm-hmm. But it also feels like the show deciding it's a cop out in a way because it's oh, the yeah. show deciding, well, we have this really complicated character that we probably mishandled and we're just not going to deal with that character anymore. Right. Well, in the but it's the same thing with the liars and their and their emotional situations. It's like they, they present the liars with very complicated uh, emotional arcs, and instead of having them try to resolve them in any sort of no- normal way, it throws them into a situation where they don't have to anymore because Charlotte's dead. Right. Well, I think what's what's going to be interesting and we can get into this in the next pod a little more, but what's going to be interesting is like, okay, these characters are five years older and wiser. Mm -hmm. They have real lives. How are they going to deal now with another murder with being, having the series of events uh, that they're tied to begin again. And I think we should set the, the uh, plot, set up the plot just a little bit more. Um, Hannah is engaged Mm-hmm. and is working in fashion and traveling all over. Spencer is working in Washington, D.C. She's a lobbyist yeah. uh, for a good cause. Her mom is running for state senate, mm-hmm. uh, and she has an encounter with um, Mona. She's Her mom's about to go give a speech and introduce her, and she runs into Mona, who's like, oh, hey, I'm really scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just, you know, just throwing that out there. I'm still yeah. this interesting character, loose cannon. Um, and then, of course, all the girls have come back to uh speak at this hearing for Charlotte to see if she should get out uh get out of the wherever she's you know being yeah. watched and so on mm-hmm. and Allie says she's really changed please believe me just go say nice things say you're not afraid of her anymore and so they all choose to do so except for Arya right now to back up for one second it, I'm I don't I don't get Allie's character I yes, I think that, she's very ambiguous right now. I understand that that five years is a long time. It's easy for us to look at five years and 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 sort of just off the top of our heads conceptualize five years as not that long of a time. But you know, thinking to my about myself five years ago, th- that's a really long time. I just don't understand how Ali's character doesn't make sense to me. Because it doesn't feel like she, like she's so gung ho about this, and she can't see anything from the liar's perspectives. Right. You know, she can't understand that. I mean, she she understands it intellectually, but emotionally, she refuses to, which is that her sister f- completely fucking traumatized these people. Right. And tortured them. Right. And yet somehow is asking them to reconcile themselves with that. Not in in no way admitting that, you know, or, or admitting or even trying to figure out whether they've like sought help over the past five years to deal with such things. Right. Well, and the other thing is, I think one thing that explains Allie um, is that we don't see Jason, and there's some comment about how Jason disagreed with uh, 
whether Charlotte should get out or not. Yeah. And we don't see the dad. Yeah. Did the dad get killed in season six A? No, no, probably no. not. No, the he and Jason him, were him and Jason together. were like paralyzed, and they so they know everything that's going on. Right. Um, I think Mr. De Laurentiis was basically named worst father ever, and then he just dropped out of the picture. Right. So he's not in this episode. He does not show up uh, in the next episode either. And so Charlotte is really, it seems like, all Allie has left. And so she is just locked onto Charlotte in a way that is very intense and profound Mm -hmm. and has been going and seeing her all the time. And it really seems like, you know, she stayed in Rosewood to be with her sister. It right. seems like so it's they have this really profound connection, which we don't really get to explore because they kill Charlotte uh, and would have been really interesting to see. Um, but I think that explains Allie. And I think she her character, it seems like, is a is continuing from the weird pivot of going from like the scheming blonde bombshell to this very demure um, like familial oriented calm character right which i think the show did a really sloppy job of handling well the other thing i don't understand as well is does if if charlotte if charlotte if charlotte is such a super genius and is extremely aware of of what she's done then why why hasn't she tried to atone for that you know, you can't just assume that the liars don't want to talk to her. Be, just as a matter of fact, that's probably the case. But did she ever reach out to the liars to right. try and like seek some sort of forgiveness? Did she ever try to reach out to Mona, who she legitimately tortured for a year, or not for a year, for like a few, like but for yeah, a for month a, or a two, peri- a, yeah. a, a serious period? Yeah, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we can assume no. Yeah, we can assume that that contact was not made I think. which which and then it's sort of like then why would you ever expect anyone to want to forgive you or to speak well of you enough to to release you back into in, into you know normal society right well i think this is one where the necessities of the plot skip over you know some of the the nuances of what could have happened in that five-year period yeah and and i understand that and and i and i did overlook it while i was watching it um but now as i'm thinking back i really would have you know that i really feel like that would add more to the situation um add more to to the emotional weight of what the liars are going through yeah um no i i agree i think it was I mean, obviously, this whole season is going to be like making the case that this was a good choice to kickstart the plot again. Yeah. Uh, but it just in the context of this episode, it seems like a really bad and not bad, but it seems just like a very, you know, rushed and easy thing to do. Just kill us, kill off the main, most interesting character and start <laughs> yeah. the whole thing again. Um, and. <clears throat> Do the do the sort of red herring of bringing in Sarah Harvey to show up at the funeral, right? Sarah Harvey, who is acting like I, I don't even I don't even understand what she what that actress is trying to do with Sarah Harvey right she's, now. She's she's acting in the she doesn't speak. She's acting in this very traumatized way. She has someone accompanying her. You know, she seems just very fragile. Yeah, and I mean, are we supposed to believe that she like went back to like a mental institution or something? We we don't know. We find out in the next episode uh, that she had some kind of 
plea deal maybe and she pled Stockholm syndrome. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Even though the liars make the case that, you know, she started working with Charlotte on her own volition and pretended, mm-hmm. which which we know to be the case. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh yeah, she's a she's a strange one. Um So that's yeah, so that's a that's sort of a wild card and then we have um the all the boyfriends sort of come back. We see Toby just hanging out and Toby's very wary. Building the house. Toby's wary of Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Uh he's building this mystery house for someone. No longer dating Spencer. Uh we have Caleb no longer dating Hannah and they have a little interaction which seems you know a little confusing it's not really sure what what the vibe is hannah doesn't seem excited to see him necessarily uh and then we have ezra who's broken he's so broken he's a broken man he's been through some shit now uh which is you know not in any way to to take away from the terrible experiences that ezra has had or that anyone on this planet has had when their girlfriend was dragged into the jungle and killed by Sandinistas or whatever. But, um, it's really, it's the whole Ezra thing is really funny. I don't know. I, I thought, it, well, it's, it's like, sort it was of, the, it was the silliest part of the episode. It's this weird sort of naive thing where he's talking to Arya at the brew or the, the book play, the book zone, the book hole, Ezra's book hole, Ezra's book hole um, as we call it. And his whole thing is he's very angry. He gets very frustrated with Arya and he's like, I wish you could explain it that, you know, we go down there to do something good. And then, you know, this girl gets kidnapped and, and, you know, disappears, which is such a strange comment on, and we've talked about this before, but, a strange comment on like being a social justice warrior. This whole idea that that white people do or that like the, the your 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 stereotypical white middle class privileged person because of that privilege feels like they can go somewhere and just help. That like that they'll be accepted and their helping hand will be accepted. Um, and you know it, it comes from essentially. You want to believe it comes from a good place, but uh, there's sort of a, an ignorance when it comes to, in many ways, where you belong or where you're accepted, or even just what's the rea- what's the reality of yeah. this of this country? What is do they it, really need? Is it is it safe to go there? Is it yeah. safe to go there as a foreigner? You know, all of these. Uh, not that like you're supposed to think that the habitat for humanity people like deserve to get kidnapped, of course. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it is like this very, it's presented in this very black and white way of like, we were doing something good and she was this perfect, beautiful angel. And how could this happen? And he, he is, it's presented just in this way that he clearly cannot process it. Yeah. Which is strange because Ezra is supposed to be this really intelligent emotionally deep person yet but yet somehow he doesn't understand the situation uh that he found himself in which i almost feel is like in many ways a little too obvious for him to completely ignore i understand that he's angry and and that he's obviously got a lot of shit going on in his broken brain but um 
I don't know. Just not a lot of that doesn't really add up. I'm kind well, and of the, and the timeline is a little questionable because it's been five years, yeah. right? And we um, we know at some point in there he wrote a book and went on a book tour, and he was. Are we supposed to think he was dating? Nicole this whole time, you know, over like a long period. And this is like a recent event that happened um, because they were they had just barely connected at the end of season six. Right. So that would make it a much more profound loss if this is someone who he had really been with for a long time, as opposed to that he'd been planning to go on this trip and that happened. And then it kind of happened right away. I get the impression that that, you know, uh, because he tells Arya that. Um, she still hasn't been found, and then as we discover in the next episode that she has been found, but um, I think that it must have happened relatively recently, but I guess what gets me about it is it's it's such a strange, almost fantastical situation for the show to take on, because if all you're looking for is some sort of unexplainable tragedy for Ezra to deal with that in in some ways might uh, inspire him to do something brash or slightly psychopathic, there's so many other things that you could find to happen besides his girlfriend get dragged into the jungle and murdered. Right. Well, as opposed to, I mean, there's sort of two (laughs) completely random tragedies that happen um, before this episode starts. And the other one is uh, Emily's dad dying. Yeah. Yeah. And so we kind of have, I guess the moral there is like, it doesn't take some supervillain for bad things to happen. It can just happen. And that's sort of the reality of life. And um, so I guess one interesting thing that the show is doing is showing okay, when you know there's no overriding plot, these things just happen, then how do you deal with that grief? You know, And the answer uh, is badly in both well, of their cases. I totally buy Emily's dad dying. But the, but the whole thing with Nicole just doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems so... Uh, I almost feel bad for Ian Harding because I feel like he is trying to act his way out of a really silly situation. Right. Um, and I just don't, I just don't, unless this is a plot point that we're going to discover down the road, I don't understand why they chose to take his character in this direction. You can break a character through unexplainable tragedy in much, much more believable ways. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting it's 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 a very it's a very random decision and it feels very far from the world of the show mm-hmm. um for this to have been the case. But uh some interesting stuff comes of it in the next episode which we will discuss. Yeah. Uh is there anything else we should get into? Oh, one thing I really liked about this episode is well, so Radley is now like a hotel with like a fancy bar. Yeah. And Owned by Hannah's mom. Yes. Uh, I want to know where she got the capital for that. Well, she's managing. She's managing. So there may be some shady money. Who knows? That yeah. could that could be yet to be revealed. Is she managing or like it, Hannah makes it sound like she's basically running the place. I think I think she says in episode two uh, that she's the manager. OK. Uh, but so there's this nice parallel to the pilot uh, back in season mm-hmm. one 
you know, of the girls all being together, getting drunk, hanging out, not being sure of what's going on that night. Uh, just like the night Allie disappears, they're all a little hazy. And so in this one, they all get drunk and they crash at uh, Hannah's hotel room and wake up the next day. And then they get this news that Charlotte is dead. Yeah. So it's very, I enjoyed the, the parallelism. It's of very, the, of it's the very Force Awakens-ish. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, you know, which exactly, like, I, I like that parallel as well. Um, it does, again, it does make me think about the whole idea of, you know, what is it, what is a, what, like, what does a reboot mean? Is it just going bigger? You know, like, The Force Awakens is essentially a new hope gone way bigger. Right. Um, and this feels like the pilot gone way bigger. Right. You know, the there the, whoever killed Charlotte is the star killer base of six B uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's of, true. Of five years forward. Um so so yeah, I mean I really I really like this episode and I think that I, I think that personally I came into it doubtful. Um, I, I was questioning whether the show had any reason to move forward. And I I feel like for most of this episode, it was proving to me that I was wrong, that these characters, that there's still stories to tell. And then Charlotte gets killed. And then I just don't know what to think anymore. And, you know, spoiler for, for episode 51 of Pretty Little Grown Men, I still don't know what to think. Right, right. Well, I think this is going to be the theme of our season of PLL podcasting is we're really going to need the show to justify making this choice and robbing us of the potential flashbacks or future storylines of what this character is going to mean to her sister and to the the liars as well. And to Mona and all everyone else caught up in this uh, Charlotte's web, uh, which is the title of the next, of the next episode. Blap, blap. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot more we talk about as far as, uh, as far as a lot of characters who are missing now, um, and what's going on with them. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the De Laurentiis family, for example, uh, Spencer's sister, or Spencer's sister, like just in London with Ren, and right there, that we have zero, after. we have zero information about them. Um, Spencer's dad is sort of just written off. Uh, we get to see, our, we get to see Chad Lowe real quick. Um, that's nice. Arya's mom, I don't know where is Mike. Yeah, Mike is gone. He's probably off to college. He probably is. He's he's wearing his Canadian tuxedos and clearly he and Fort Mona, Lauderdale or whatever. Clearly, he and Mona did not work out. Yeah. <laughs> After all, after all that, all that yeah, drama. Rough. Yeah, I want to see where's Mike. He's busy filming Teen Wolf. He's on that show. Is he? Oh, okay. I thought yeah, you were not. Making... Not Mike. Montgomery, I was like, are you making a joke about whatever? Cody, what's his face? Right, right. Cody Young Stud Stein. Um, uh, the only other thing that I think that we should mention is that we've talked a lot about. Uh, these sort of alternate universe social media of Rosewood and beyond. And this five years forward is sort of attempting to uh, 
put a little bit more reality into social media. You know, it's um, as we discover in the second episode of 6B, they talk about tweeting. And in this episode, they take a bunch of selfies and they talk about posting things. Yes, there's a whole selfie sequence. Yes. Yes, there is. So it modernizes. It's it's very interesting because you have this five year time difference. And so the last technology we saw in the PLL verse was this like insane Star Trek hollow screen. Right. <laughs> and so now it's supposed to be five years later, which I don't think anyone watching the show is going to care about the potential sci fi aspects of that. Mm-hmm. But I care. Uh, and I'm very curious to see, you know, in real life, that would mean like five more generations of iPhones and so on. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be very curious to see like, okay, how does technology change? Uh, and it seems like one thing they're doing is just kind of bringing it up to real life technology and, and culture and having a selfie session and having uh, Twitter exist and so on. What, uh, what year did Pretty Little Liars premiere? Was it like 2012 or something? 2011? Um, something like that. Yeah. So, well, six years ago, so probably 2010 or 11. Right. So let's say let's say 2011, and for the first five and a half seasons, uh, two years elapsed. Right. So it's so at the end of six A, it was the right before the the summer of 2013. Right, probably. According, if we're if we're having a real uh, a right. year in there, right. uh, which means that five years later, it is now the summer or whenever it is of 2018. Yes. So there are a few years in the future. There are like two years in the future. Yes. With uh, who do you think the president is? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, things seem to be pretty functional in the future, so I'm hoping. I'm, president I'm, Bernie Sanders? Yeah, I'm assuming it's President <laughs> Sanders. But, you know, there, there's a new wave of politics on the show. So I, uh, there's a little, we may actually get some. It'd be very interesting to see some, like, if they dig into some future political drama in Washington, D.C. Like, like, like Parks and Recreation. Right, right, exactly, which yeah. did, like, an amazing job mm-hmm. in the finale of, like, showing all these, having all these future references and, and little jokes. Yeah, I mean, I I do appreciate that 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 pushing them five years forward brings them sort of to a very uh, relatable age as far as who the actresses really are, um, and it, it feels more modern, you know, like even just the introduction of social media, where it's not as overt. Besides, in the second in the second episode, just uh, like name dropping Twitter. Um, in the first in this episode they like aria mentions that um hannah's ring looked so much smaller in her post right you know little stuff like that where you're like yeah obviously it's it's instagram or something like that right which is really funny because in that whole like instagram selfie sequence um the way that they pose is very reminiscent of the individual actresses Instagram accounts, uh-huh. the way that, you know, which is, you know, um, I, I, when I was at the, I spent a lot of time at, at assorted airports over this past weekend and, uh, I was looking at a bookstore and I was, uh, flipping through Aziz Ansari's most recent book mm-hmm. and which is about modern dating 
uh, with social media and the internet. And one of the things that he, he has a chapter on almost like optimal selfies. And he, it could, because he wrote the book with a, um, basically a social scientist. And what they, what they figured out is the optimal selfie is, especially for women is, um, slightly top down because it, it narrows your chin, uh, and your neck. Oh, sure. You know? And so it makes you, and it makes your eyes bigger. So it gives you that more like young, uh, cute cartoonish. Right. Look, and you see that all the time in, uh, these actresses, instagram accounts almost as like almost as like a like a uh, like a reflex on their part but even on this in this episode when they're going through all these selfies that's how they're taking their pictures and they're doing that like the the scrunchy face look that the top down angle it's it's very it's authentic then it's authentic and it's also it's 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 authentic and it's almost um i don't know it it felt too authentic. It felt too too real. It felt like they were breaking a fourth wall. Oh man. Well, okay. I think now we're getting too deep into six I, into into. It's like they were staring directly 11. at me and taunting me. <laughs> it was a funny. It was a funny sequence, and I think it almost felt like fan service in a way mm-hmm. to be like, "You take selfies at home. We're going to show these characters taking selfies so they can be more relatable." It's the first time that the show ever feels like it's directly addressing its enormous influence on social media Mm -hmm. in a very yeah in a very straightforward way right but at the same time you have four friends who haven't gotten to have a reunion in the last five years it doesn't seem like well what would you do you'd take some take some selfies (laughs) i mean what else what else what else is there to do you would you would take a selfie i think i think it was a it was a little bit of a surprising sequence but i think very natural yeah team selfie Right, I I didn't hate it by any means. Um, I yeah, I I, I thought it was. I, I'm I'm glad they did it. I'm glad that they're no longer resisting the reality of of what Pretty Little Liars is now. Right in popular culture. Right, you know. Um, well, I think that's a good jumping off point for us to uh, wrap this one up. Jumping and- off point, Charlotte. Oh no. oh no! Uh, and we'll 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 be right back with the next episode. Uh, but if you're only going to listen to this episode, uh, remember that we're on Twitter at PLGM Podcast. And if you go on iTunes, um, you should star us and leave us a nice little review that helps with whatever. That oh. it it takes us up the charts. Yeah, the the the, the so called charts. We're gonna we're we're storming those charts. Well, I got a I got a weird email from some podcast startupy company, and they were like, "Check out your page on our weird podcast startup." And it said that we had peaked at like a hundred and twenty or something uh, in like film and TV podcasts. So that's not bad. Uh, like like really? Yeah, it seems pretty high to me. That's that seems extremely high. Well, we are, we are not in the top hundred now, uh, but after putting <laughs> out these these hot new episodes, maybe we'll get up there. So yeah, if you are enjoying this, Sizzling. if you are enjoying this at home, uh, you can give us a quick ranking and tell your friends and uh, download the next episode as well, which we are going to tape momentarily. Yeah. So uh, 
yeah, we'll see you soon, bitches. Until next time, season 6B, bitches. Bitches. <laughs>